Ophelia rummaged through the disorganized piles of documents, floor plans, and schematics within the cluttered and dark interior of Powell's archives. You know, it's a shame what's happened to your family of late, said Mylan Powell without looking up from his papers. Thank you, Powell, said Ophelia without slowing down her search. She'd heard it all before. Everyone was always so sad and so empathetic about the gradual decline of her family, but none of them ever lent a hand to aid them in their time of need. Ophelia could engage and nod and smile and thank him for his kind words, but his words seemed as hollow as they always did, and she'd rather focus on finding the floor plans for 486 Thompson Avenue the quarantined building the killer had retreated into. They needed to know where the crawl space led to in order to be as best prepared as possible. It really is a damn shame. Your father did so much to make the city what it is today, a beacon of cultural significance. He and your mother are dearly missed. Powell said those words without looking up from the papers he was flipping through. Thank you, Powell. Ophelia repeated before she gasped. <gasps> I found them. She pulled out the floor plans that matched the layout of the quarantined house on Thompson Avenue. Excellent, said Powell as he finally got up to join her. It certainly looks interesting. Mm -hmm. From the looks of it, it seems the building was built right on top of the Warwick Point maintenance tunnels. Huh. I imagine that crawl space you were talking about could possibly lead there. <sighs> That's what I was afraid of, said Ophelia as she studied the map. Um, who is your liaison on this? Um, uh, a Blackstone local by the name of Jack. He's proved to be quite useful. Powell's expression got very grave. Jack, you say? Hmm. Surely you aren't talking about bloody Jack, are you? Ophelia turned to look at him. I, I don't know. Who's bloody Jack? The older gentleman shook his head and waved his hand in the air as he returned to his desk in the cluttered office. A foul person of terrible violence, from what I hear. It might not be the same one, surely there's more than one Jack in Blackstone. But if it is the same one, then you better stay as far away from him as possible. Or terrible things will befall you. Street Coven Chapter 3 Opposing Sides Annika Arnaud and Ophelia Vandermeer slowly walked the darkened streets back to their abode in Dunfield, as the sun slowly set behind them. And what do you make of it? asked Ophelia after having relayed to her companion what Powell had said. Do you think it's something we should be worried about? Right? 
about the shady cult leader with uh, Eldritch dealings and a history and talent to manipulate people? Asked Annika with a grin. Who's to say? I can't say I ever trusted him, but then again, he hasn't proven himself to be a particularly violent person so far. So who knows? God, it makes me nervous, said Ophelia as her eyes glanced at the various shadows that lengthened around them. And what of the undead in the building? We can't really permanently put them down without divine magic, and I would rather die than turn to the church. I'm sure we will figure out something said Annika before going quiet. What? asked Ophelia, who then watched her companion point towards the Vandermeer estate. Sitting on the front steps, they saw Jack casually leaning back and looking up at the twilight sky above. Next to him, they saw another man, older, with unkempt hair and a dirty, dark coat on. Interesting turn of events, said Ophelia as the two approached. I see you've already arrived, and here I thought we'd have to track it down. Yeah, I'm sorry, but not really. There's been a development, said Jack as he pointed towards the older man. That's Howard. Say hi, Howard. The man got up and politely nodded to the two of them. Evening, ladies. Howard Moore is the name. It is a pleasure to meet you. He equally shook their hands, at which point Ophelia noticed the insignia on his right sleeve. Her eyes whitened and she took a step back. You, you're a tribunal paladin, she said, and in an instant, Attica stepped in front of her in a defensive manner. Wait, you are? Asked Jack. So casually, you'd think he just said that the man in question had hair and skin. So mundane was his response. Howard quickly moved his hand to obscure the insignia before letting it drop for everyone to see. I... Yes, it's true. I was once of the Tribunal Paladins, but we've uh, <clears throat> parted ways, he said, clearly ashamed. And why should we trust you? You and your ilk burn people on pyres like it's the 1400s. Howard turned his gaze downwards in remorse and nodded. Aye, that we do. That we do. And you brought him here with you? asked Ophelia, turning now towards Jack. Jack in turn shrugged. He seems harmless enough, and he's been watching us for a while. Saw us enter that house. If he wanted to do us harm, he would have already done it. Besides, you're gonna want to hear what he has to say. The four of them exchanged uncertain glances, unsure of whom to trust. Howard, tell them, Jack urged the man. Howard nodded. Uh, another person has gone missing. The thing that you're hunting? It's gotten someone else. A little girl named Sadie. Ophelia narrowed her dark brown eyes. And how can we trust someone who has, for all we know, engaged in some of the worst religious persecutions of the past few centuries? Howard inhaled slowly. <sighs> I've done terrible things, make no mistake of that. But I've been excommunicated from the church. Not dismissed, not departed from their services. Excommunicated. Do you know what that means for the Church of the Trinity? It means you can never go back, said Annika. It means I will never step into Elysium. It means I will never see my gods. And it means I am as good as the people that the Church hates the most. And then he went quiet, heartache and pain brimming in his eyes. 
the minuscule muscles in his face just barely twitching as he debated with himself over how much he should say. But in the end, he didn't continue. Ophelia regarded the two men with suspicion. She wasn't sure if either of them could be trusted. But she also wasn't sure if she had much of a choice in the matter. Look, said Jack, breaking the silence. None of us have to like working together. I certainly don't like any of you. But the fact of the matter is that a little girl has most likely been snatched by this thing. And we're her only chance of survival. Are we going to let a petty grievance stand in the way of us doing some good? I wouldn't call the systemic murder of my people a petty grievance, added Ophelia. We need a miracle worker, said Annika, the others now turning their gaze towards her. We need someone to put down those undead for good. You, Mr. Moore, can you still cast miracles? Howard looked uncertainly at the three of them before ultimately, reluctantly, nodding. And would you be willing to aid us in looking for this girl? Annika continued. Howard nodded again. I take it your search has illuminated the killer's whereabouts? Asked Jack. Annika turned to Ophelia, who was currently fidgeting with the cuff of her sleeve. We had also learned of another disappearance, but we hadn't learned who it was. And I managed to get my hands on the blueprints of 486 Thompson Avenue. According to them, the crawl space most likely leads into the maintenance tunnels underneath Warwick Point. Jack and Howard exchanged an uneasy look. What? asked Ophelia. Fellhaven is, is an old city that has been built over time and time again, Jack explained. Below the surface, you will typically find sewer and maintenance tunnels. Below that, you will often find a labyrinth of old and abandoned tunnels and buildings. Below that, nobody really knows. There are all sorts of rumors of ancient structures from a long forgotten time. And looking among these dark spaces are all manner of terrors. Like what? asked Annika. Well, undead for one. Frenzied scourge beasts for another. People driven mad by the black moon and twisted into monstrosities through its influence. And that's only the threats we know about. Like I said, Fellhaven is an old, old city. Will we encounter covens of the underworld down there? asked Ophelia, who was regrettably not very knowledgeable of the world she felt she belonged to. Probably not, answered Jack as he scratched his cheek with his clawed and blackened hand. Despite being called the Underworld, the secretive collective of mages, mutants, and monsters actually doesn't dwell that far below the surface. They act more within the shadows, you see. Everyone's eyes slowly drifted towards Howard whose order of religious fanatics had sworn to exterminate the underworld. What? He asked with a clueless expression upon his face. To which their own. I don't judge. Ophelia and Annika were both taken aback by this response. Jack didn't seem to care too much. All right, so are we doing this? Asked Jack. Annika nodded, but Ophelia was still hesitant. May I remind you that a child's life is at stake? Jack added with a malicious grin. You wouldn't want her death on your conscience, would you? All that child blood on your hands? And you could have stopped it? Alright, fine. I'll do it, said Ophelia, rather perturbed. The group of four now stood there quietly for a spell, unaware 
of the significance of this moment, unknowing of what path they'd begun to walk in unison. Jack smiled. Splendid. Let's go. The four individuals strode along the cobblestone streets of Fellhaven. A witch, a cleric, a soldier of fortune, and a reluctant cultist, held together by the flimsiest of fragile alliances, making their way from the edge of Dunfield to the heart of Blackstone. The sun had set and the street lamps had automatically flickered on, their ghostly light fueled by recent technological innovations. The Black Moon's attack on the city 11 years ago had not just changed Fellhaven, it had fundamentally altered the world. Flooding it with magic again after multiple centuries of being deprived of it, this had not only sent shockwaves through the various social classes, but had also opened the floodgates for technological development that had previously been impossible. As they quietly walked the streets, up above, they could see two airships gently floating through the sky. These metallic zeppelin-like vessels had gone from fantasy to reality in a matter of years, and now they were as common as sea vessels. Passing from one street to another, the four of them briefly saw a number of royal guard getting ready to raid an apartment building. The armor and masked helmets they used had gone from extremely cumbersome and clunky to lightweight and streamlined in only two years. And standing off to the side, they saw possibly the greatest technological innovation of the past four years. A large mechanized figure that resembled an industrialized suit of armor, bolted and riveted together with thick hoses and cords tucked under armored plating. Within this mechanical monstrosity was a human pilot, a person that was essentially entombed within the armor, operating and controlling it from within. The newspapers had taken to calling these contraptions Iron Coffins, and it had stuck. As they passed the scene, they soon heard the guards break down a door, and soon they heard gunshots echo throughout the street. What had the building done to ensure such a fate? They did not know. Perhaps it harbored the members of a gang, or perhaps some corporate noble simply wanted to acquire the building to bulldoze it and make something else. Such things were not uncommon here in the city of Fellhaven. With time, the streets seemed to become more and more vacant, empty of any and all people that usually occupied them. It was almost as if the city anticipated some grand and terrible showdown. Hide your loved ones and take heed. There be death in the streets this night, it seemed to say. Approaching the quarantined building of 486 Thompson Avenue, Ophelia quickened her step to have a hushed conversation with Jack. Excuse me, Jack. That's me. You've been in Blackstone for a while, yes? I've been financially shackled to Blackstone for many years, yes. Oh, right. Uh, well, I, I wanted to ask, do you know of another Jack? One who specifically goes by the name of Bloody Jack? Curiously, Jack's expression did not change at all, but he didn't answer the question right away. I've heard of them, yes. 
Why do you ask? Ophelia tried to study what he was thinking, but was having a hard time doing so. Well, the name passed by my desk, so to speak,、uh, and I simply grew curious of this person. What got them such a grim name? Jack sighed. <sighs> From what I hear, you're a bit of a boogeyman here in Blackstone. Figure of great violence who is behind some horrible things and blah blah blah. And you're sure you don't know who they are? She asked, just as Jack was about to knock on the door of the building next to four eight six. Jack turned to look at her, with a look in his eyes that somewhat unnerved her. It feels like you want to ask a slightly different question, lady. I'd implore you to speak your mind instead of beating around the bush. But first, I'd like to remind you that most of us here in Blackstone do not have the privilege of a nice manner and personal wealth to get by. Most of us have to do unspeakable things just to survive. The two of them stood there, eyes locked in an intense showdown, each waiting for the other to back down, but neither did. Do you two mind stepping aside? Asked Annika, with Howard hovering behind her with a worried look on his face. You don't want me to talk her way in again? Asked Jack. No need," said Annika as she pulled out a set of thieves' tools to pick the door's lock. Ophelia and Jack stepped aside, and the tension momentarily broken, with Jack being exceptionally impressed as he watched Annika step forward and effortlessly unlock the door. "Good job," said Jack. "I came prepared this time." Clearly. Well, let's go. The four of them quietly made their way up to the roof once more, and then traversed the small opening. With three of them jumping and one of them magically gliding across, they then stealthily descended down the building's central staircase and down to the fourth floor. There, they were once again met with a number of undead, but this time they were ready and quickly put them down before they had a chance to attack. All right, preacher," said Jack. "Do you think?" Howard nodded and pulled forth an amulet with an embellished triangle symbol on it, the sign of the church's faith. <sighs> by the light of Valorian, god of the sun; by the endless slumber of Valoran, god of death; and by the purifying flames of Medala, goddess of integrity, I dispel the curse of undeath upon these poor souls. May they find their way to their destined afterlife. The amulet glowed with a golden light for a moment, and afterwards, all of them felt the air get a bit lighter. None of the corpses moved after that. Good job. Thank you, Mister Moore," said Ophelia as she approached from the safe distance she had remained at during the minor conflict. I'm a bit confused, though. I thought Medalla was the goddess of purity, the goddess of purchase. The look in her eyes was rather confrontational, feeding her inner hate. With the hundreds of witches and mages burned in the name of said god, Howard nodded. The gods can all represent different things—things things we want them to be, or things we need them to represent. And my my perching days are far behind me. Seems to me that faith can just fit whatever mold you want it to. This is true. And while most use its moldability to inflict pain and suffering onto others, I、uh, I would hope to use it to heal 
If a god or a concept can be used to divide and segregate, then why not change things and instead use it to unite and mend? Will that work? I have no idea, but I have to try. Ophelia wasn't entirely sure what to say to that, so she said nothing. <clears throat> said Jack as he stood by the opening into the crawl space. This is the point of no return. Are you all in for this? One by one, they all nodded in agreement. And Jack smiled. Alright, let's do it. As the four of them descended into the darkness below, their fate was sealed. Things would never be the same after this, and it all started with four woefully ill-prepared individuals of action, banding together and waltzing straight into the lair of something horrible. Chapter 3